Warning. Censorship. Warning. Censorship. Warning. Censorship. Well, you heard it right there. We're warning you about censorship uh, on YouTube, at least, and elsewhere in life. If you say the wrong thing, you will be censored. Um, I think in some ways it's much worse than government censorship. My experience with government censorship is they at least follow some procedure. They give you some sort of notice that there was some complaint. There's some sort of hearing, maybe some sort of an appeal. And... um, There's some transparency. Whereas corporate censorship, none of those things happen. It's just, you're just suspended or deleted. There's no way to reply or appeal or interact. Um, Laws don't apply because it's some Facebook Supreme Court, which is a fake thing. It's just whatever they want. And um, it's very opaque. And of course, the more thoughtful and creative censors in government see that and say, hmm, if I try and censor people through government, there's going to be a big fuss, there's going to be a trial, I'm in the hands of a nominally independent judge who might not like it, and if he does, this could be, you know, a very extended matter, what if I just contract out my censorship to Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Google, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Apple, Android, what if I contract it out? In fact, what if we do censorship just very under the table, very in a whisper? Maybe a phone call, say, hey, can you keep an eye on this? And we've seen that before. We've interviewed someone who worked as a censor at Facebook, basically in a factory in Arizona. There were hundreds of them who would just review hundreds and hundreds of offensive Facebook posts, and they had a rule book. And the most terrifying thing about that interview, we'll have to have that Facebook censor back on another day. The mo- oh, they, first of all, they targeted the Canadian election. That was interesting that there were censors in Facebook, in Arizona, who were given a briefing book on how to censor the Canadian election. Isn't that creepy? But the most terrifying thing, I think his name is Ryan Hartwig, I'm going from memory, um, said is that you had hundreds of censors working around the clock. I think he said they had three shifts a day, if I'm not mistaken, is that they were training the AI. They were training the artificial intelligence. So if you've got hundreds of sensors making thousands of decisions a day, in fact, I did the math at the time, this one censorship factory that Facebook had in Arizona was like censoring 100,000 posts a day or something. When you have 100,000 decisions a day, and the AI is watching them. Okay, this word, bad. This word, good. This word, combination, gray area. You know, if you have 10 a day, maybe you don't, it's not clear. If you have 100 a day, if you have 1,000, if you have 100,000 decisions a day or a week or a month, you could see how smart computer programmers, and there's plenty of those in these tech companies, can teach a machine to censor. So it's not even a human anymore. In fact, I think that Facebook has closed down a number of their censorship factories because now it's all the AI. And, you know, they say it's an an old phrase, uh, computer programming, garbage in, garbage out. You ever heard that? Um, What if you, what if the rules your AI is following are garbage? What if they're biased to begin with? Which they surely are, of course they are. 
So um, I am much more worried about corporate censorship, tech censorship, than I am about government censorship. And I know that sounds contrary to what I've been saying these past months about the looming censorship bills by Stephen Gilbo and Justin Trudeau, C10 that would regulate the internet, C36 that would provide censorship of hate speech. But at least there's a human element there. At least there are judges or commissioners there. At least there is some civil procedure there. At least the Charter of Rights still exists there. At least there's some court of appeal there. At least there's some notice there. None of the things I've just listed exist in big tech censorship. And um, King Zuckerberg and King Jack Dorsey, the Mad King, they're the ultimate bosses. It scares me more. So that's why we run that warning at the beginning of our YouTube, because just to let you know that we are censored by YouTube. Uh, speaking of which, Donald Trump uh, announced he's suing Big Tech. Do we have a clip of that? I think we do. Um, yeah, let's play it. Yeah, Justin's saying, uh, is it okay to put that on YouTube? And look at that. Is I mean, we're also on Rumble, superu.net. And Odyssey, I love those three platforms. But Justin just asked me in my ear, are we okay to put that on YouTube? Isn't that crazy? Because YouTube has so many anti-Trump rules. And by the way, we were suspended for a week because we showed an old video that Donald Trump did as president. Like in, in January, I did a little video called If Big Tech Can Censor Trump, They Can Censor Anyone. I, that was literally the title of the video. And as if to show me, I was right. They said that was the reason they were taking our entire channel off the air for a week. Um, I think their excuse was because he said something about um, the election being stolen. So uh, go ahead and play the clip. Let's take a look. Let's roll the dice. Thank you very much, Brooke. I appreciate that. Thank you, everybody. I just want to say that I stand before you this morning. Second. Well, I don't know if that's nature or if that's the AI or if that's YouTube saying you won't play this clip. We'll try and get that going. Let's try again. I just want to say that I stand before you this morning to announce a very important and very beautiful, I think, development for our freedom and our freedom of speech. And that goes to all Americans. Today, in conjunction with the America First Policy Institute, I'm filing as the lead class representative a major class action lawsuit against the big tech giants, including Facebook, Google, and Twitter as well as their CEOs, Mark Zuckerberg, Sundar Pichai, and Jack Dorsey. Three real nice guys. We're asking the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida to order an immediate halt to social media companies' illegal, shameful censorship of the American people, and that's exactly what they are doing. We're demanding. You know what? Uh, I look forward to reading the lawsuit. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. This announcement is for the reason I have to chuckle. Um, he's met Sundar Pichai, the, the, the president of Google. Uh, 
But that, Senator Pache, that just made me laugh. I don't know if he does that on purpose. Sometimes Trump does things like that on purpose, just so they become memes, so they become memorable, so you have a chuckle uh, to irritate Sundar Pichai. Puche. You see, Francais, Sundar Puche. I have a complaint against you, Monsieur Puche. He just makes me chuckle. I miss him, but if you think I miss Donald Trump, there's no, I have no lack of things to talk about, let me assure you. You know that because I don't stop talking. But if you think I miss talking about Donald Trump, holy mackerel, do the CNNs and the MSNBCs miss Trump? Do they ever miss Trump? What can they talk about now? Because there is a lot to talk about now. Um, Biden, Harris, the price of gasoline in America, China, um, big tech issues, um, the pandemic, lockdowns, Fauci. I can tell you a hundred things to think about China's moves on Taiwan. Um, you know, the Middle East and setbacks there. But check this out. CNN ratings are dramatically down since Trump left office. The network lost nearly 50% of its target audience during primetime hours. And that's from March. I tell you, it's fallen further. You know who tracks this closely? I don't know if you can, if you know how to search on Twitter from colon Greg, uh, Glenn Green, Greenwald, is that his last name? Um, the, the former guy with The Intercept, and MSNBC, he tracks them nightly. Uh, Greenwald, right? Glenn Greenwald, you know who I'm talking about? And if you just do that from colon Glenn Greenwald, MSNBC, and then sort by latest. Um, so you just showed an article, Justin, that was a great article, very fast, showing that their ratings had fallen 50% in just two months, right? Trump was done his presidency in January, by March, they had fallen by 50%. Uh, yeah, Glenn Greenwald. <clears throat> uh, scroll down, scroll down. Is, is this sorted by... Yeah, keep scrolling a bit, a little bit. You keep scrolling, we'll find it soon, because he gets into their rate. Here we go. So just up a little bit. Just scroll up a tiny bit. However shockingly tiny and minuscule you think MSN and CNN's audience size is. It's way smaller than even that. MSNBC barely has an audience on the weekends. I'm concerned their ratings are going to fall into negatives, which shouldn't be possible. So can you click on that graphic there? Let's just take a close look at that. So this is cable news ratings, Sunday, May 23rd. Okay, so it's still a month old. 25 to 50-year-old demographic viewers, and then total viewers. So the number on the left is what they call the demo. That's what advertisers want. Advertisers, frankly, are not that interested in people in their 70s because they're not buying cars, they're not buying homes, they're not buying uh, fancy vacations, they're not buying kids' stuff, they're not buying... Like, the advertisers want buyers, so they call 25 to 54 the demo. So... Um, they're highlighting, so the number on the left is the demo, the number on the right is total viewers, which basically means seniors. So MSNBC, that's the yellow highlighted in the middle. The number of viewers, like take for example, primetime, 8 p.m., that's primetime. You got less than 50,000 people in the demo watching a national American network. Now, you got 412,000 watching altogether. 
that tells you they're seniors, which is fine. I'm going to be a senior soon enough. But the demo, 49,000. Compare that to Fox, 124,000. CNN, 78,000, quite low. Um, you know, I, I've stopped paying close attention to our YouTube things, to our YouTube stats because we're really moving on to other platforms like Rumble, SuperU, and Odyssey. But we, just in case you're wondering, we get more viewers than that. We're, we started in my living room six years ago. We're in like some industrial park in um, outer Toronto. Um, you know, we're pretty homemade. We're getting more viewers than MSNBC. And how's that even possible? Well, it's because, well, here's the thing. I'm going to give away a little trade secret here. If I was trying to give MSNBC advice on how to get viewers, how about have the same accountability journalism, scrutiny journalism, skepticism journalism that you deployed against Donald Trump? How about deploy that to Kamala Harris and Joe Biden? Um, fact check them in the same way, scrutinize them in the same way. Can you give me that, type in the Twitter, Joe Biden ice cream. Like Joe Biden went out for ice cream and hey, you know, as you can tell just by looking at me, I've done that once or twice. Is that news? Well, you might have a photo of it to illustrate a story because it's fun watching people eat ice cream for some reason. It's always a fun photo compared to the normal. But you've got the president and you've got, you can put questions to him for a second and you're gonna say, hey man, Let's talk about the ice cream. I mean, his presidency, by many measures, is in crisis. But you're just doing stories on how many scoops of ice cream he had. They did stories on Donald Trump ice cream, too. If you recall, it was a scandal that he always ordered two scoops of ice cream at dinner. Um, so this was not only a scandal, it was newsworthy in a negative way. So they did do Trump ice cream stories. Do we have any Biden uh, ice cream? Let's just take a look. Come on, Senators. Welcome to Moomers. How are you? We're well. How are you? Okay. Do you know what you like? Oh my gosh, I don't. Do you know what you want? I just. Uh, We're in the cherry capital of the world. I know that, but I'm a chocolate chip guy. Chocolate chip. I want a double dip waffle cone with chocolate, vanilla chocolate chip. Vanilla chocolate chip. We can do that. I got two scoops. You got two scoops and a waffle cone with a plain chocolate chip. Okay. Fourteen scoops. Fourteen fifty-eight. I'm twenty. Are you buying this? I am. Last of the big spenders. Oh my gosh! Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Prodigal. I did get cherry. Did you get cherry? Did you can't come to Traverse City without coming here. Traverse City. We sent a team down there in Michigan for one of Trump's last rallies of the election. Now, I don't mind that. That's just rolling the camera on what was said. That was actually not really journalism. That was just showing Trump, uh, Biden buying ice cream. But, but the news coverage, thank you for showing that's exactly what it went, but the news coverage flowing from that. And there were a couple of questions that he brushed off. If a guy goes out to get ice cream, turn the camera on and show it. That, that is real journalism. I don't have a beef with the way, I think that was NBC or CBS show that. I don't have a beef with that. But it was then their commented, their reported, their editorialized journalism flowing from that that was not accountability journalism. It was just gushing about the fact that Biden bought ice cream. The, he's done so few press availabilities since becoming president. I don't know if you remember this. It's so long ago now. Like it's six months ago. Trump used to have press conferences pretty much every day. And it was not unusual for them to be an hour long. And he was the one usually who called 
the reporters. And do you remember, Justin? He specifically called on his haters every day. Journalists, there was a symbiosis, to use a biological term. He would call on Jim Acosta, and Jim Acosta would fight with him. They both loved it, obviously. They both loved it. When was the last time Joe Biden called on a hostile or challenging reporter? And it is fair to call Jim Acosta hostile. Yeah, well, give me some volume. That here, this, here we go. That, well, if you Let's don't go. mind, Mr. President, that this caravan was an invasion. As you know, I, Mr. President, I consider it to be an invasion. As you know, Mr. President, the caravan was not an invasion. It's a, it's a, a group of migrants moving up from Central America towards the border with the U.S. Thank you for telling and me that. Uh, why, why, did you, why did you characterize it as such? Uh, because and, I consider it an invasion. You and I have a difference of opinion. But do you think that you demonized immigrants not in this election no, not to try I to want keep... Them, I want them to come into the country, but they have to come in legally. You know, they have to come in, Jim, through a process. I want it to be a process. And I want people to come in, and we need right. the people. Your you know, campaign... Wait, your campaign. Wait, wait. You know why we need the people, don't you? Because we have hundreds of companies moving in. We need the people. Right. But your campaign had an ad showing migrants climbing over walls and well, so on. Well, that's true. It poured, it, but they it, weren't actors. They're not going to be doing they that. They weren't actors. Well, no, it's true. Do you think they were actors? They weren't actors. They didn't come from Hollywood. Right. These, were, these were people. This was an actual, you know, it happened a few days ago. And, uh, They're hundreds of miles away, though. They're hundreds and hundreds of miles you know away. That, that's I not an invasion. Should, honestly, uh, I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. All right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let would me be ask, much better. If I, if I okay, may ask one enough. other question, Mr. President, if I may, if I may Wait, ask Peter, one other question. You know, I miss all of that. How many times did it cost to come back? I didn't count, but it was close to 10, you know? Like, that wasn't a question... And then one short follow-up. That was a banter. That was a ping-pong match. That was a back and forth. That was in a conversation. That was an argument, right? Like, how many times did it cost to come back at Trump? I didn't count. Close to 10. And who chose the questions? You saw the journalist putting up there. Trump chose the question. Trump could have ignored Acosta his entire term. He didn't. Because how do you think Trump did? Trump was freaking loving it. I don't know if he loved it just because that's his sparring nature. If he liked it because it was mental exercise for him. Like a man of power is surrounded often by yes men or courtiers who would uh, say, oh, emperor, your new clothes look fascinating. Like maybe he just liked the combativeness of a hostile person, kept him sharp. Wasn't he sharp though? He had his answers quick. He was not waiting. He didn't have to pull out cue cards like Joe Biden. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Justin. Play that clip. Justin reminds me. Here's how Biden rolls. I'm happy to take questions if you have them. He gave me a list of how to recognize. Is Alex AP out there? So Biden has given a list of the names of reporters he should call on. Um, if he were like Trump, he would call on Fox News, One American Network, Newsmax. He would call on Breitbart.com. He would call on Rambunctious Conservative. Not, not solely, but he would do that every time to be sharp. And it's such a reminder of how focused and alert Trump was. It's hard to believe um, 
I think what's Trump, 74 and what's Biden, 78, if I'm going from memory here. Biden looks so much older, doesn't he? Trump looks young, vigorous, combative. Trump would, Trump would hold court for an hour. 75 and 78 are their ages. So, yeah, um, just the frequency of press conferences with Trump, it was almost daily, if not daily. The duration of press conferences with Trump, it was often an hour or more. And most importantly, the quality of those press conferences, Trump calling from his most hostile antagonists. And, and letting him go 10 rounds. Like, Jim Acosta there went again and again. And Jim Acosta would say that was a huge win. He held Donald Trump to greater account, more directly, than any Democrat. Of course, Acosta is a Democrat, working for Democrats. And Trump obviously felt like he had some reason for doing it, too. Either just a duty to talk to the press, or he thought his base loved to see him spar with Acosta, or for whatever reason, maybe just because he could. We don't have that kind of accountability journalism anymore. You can see why that made for ratings, right? That was bloody exciting to watch, wasn't it? That was, who wouldn't tune in? You're an Acosta fan, you're tuning in. You're a Trump fan, you're t- it's like an MMA fight. It's like a big battle. Both sides want to see a fight. It's each side thinking they've got the better guy. Yeah, I'd watch TV news if that was on every day. In fact, I did watch TV news. Would you watch Joe Biden calling on pre-scripted questions and then answering from a cue card in his pocket? That's why the ratings are so low. All right, I'm going to read some chats, and then we got some other stuff I want to get to. Um, on Super U, Bishop says, Donald Trump just declared war on big tech. Yeah, you know what, though? We're talking about the lawsuit filed. He had four years as president where he didn't have to sue in a civil suit. He could have passed laws, executive orders, had the Department of Justice make moves. Why didn't he do that for four years? I like what he's doing now, but it's hard not to think, why did you not act for four years when you had all the levers in your hand? Rumbles, frog soup. MSM is dying with cable. Well, I mean... What even is cable versus YouTube versus the internet versus, I mean, a lot of people are watching the internet on their TVs, you know, casting or streaming or whatever. There's a big blur between them. Hyperchat on Odyssey from Juice Moose, parent company of CNN is trying to sell the building in Atlanta they are housed in. Okay, that could be for real estate reasons. I know Post Media, for a while there, their most valuable assets were was the real estate. Newspapers used to be in the heart of cities prestigious buildings when newspapers themselves were prestigious. So it wouldn't shock me if the most valuable asset of any media company that's dying is their premium offices. Super U, Hammers Girl 88, MSM doesn't seem to care about ratings anymore. Some truth to that, because they're on an ideological mission as much as any financial mission. But... Um, but they do care about ratings in the end. Even if it's, again, not for financial reasons, because you're on a mission. If you're on a mission, you want people to hear what you have to say. If you're on a financial mission, you want people to hear what you have to say because that's how you get paid. If you're on an ideological mission, you want people to hear what you have to say because you're trying to convert hearts and minds. All right. 
Trump suing big tech, check. Sundar Pushay, check. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at my notes here. I want to talk a little bit about the church burnings in Canada. Um, I don't know how many have been burned now. I think there's a lot of vandalism. Burning a church is harder to do. I've never tried, obviously, but I've tried to start campfires. It's hard, you know. Now, if you're in absolutely bone-dry heat waves like rural BC, and it's a wooden church and it's old, I can imagine that that would go up in flames pretty quick. But if you're, I, like, I just think it's harder to start a fire than to throw t- paint on something. But we have both uh, hate crimes in Canada right now. We have lots of vandalized churches, and we have burnt churches, including some in the city. Our own Adam Sos interviewed uh, Father Long, whose church was attacked. Let's take a quick look at that. This is uh, used to be a rectory for the priest to live, and this building is uh, for the the convent for the sisters. Okay. They, they they had uh, they was in this building for many many years. Still smell smoke in here. Yeah, it certainly does. Oh, and there you can see it over there. That's what said. So did they break the glass and then set a fire, or the the glass yeah. broke? So the damage there, uh, it wouldn't cost much to fix it. Probably the community or even some people can fix that in the future. It, is, it was very lucky. Yeah. But after that, I spent all day on Monday to clean up the church. Because it was all soot and black and yeah, smoke. Because uh, the fire crews just uh, oh, right. Yeah, right. used the fire extinguisher to blow in. So, mm-hmm. yeah. These are the older for the native. The skin is important for them. Mm-hmm. It is a, the skin is a symbol of life, strength. So uh, they put it there. So, so it seems that in a very real way, um, through this process of reconciliation, the church is not an enemy, but it's the place where the community gathers to heal together and get through this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, um, so who are the victims? Again, the analogy couldn't be clearer. It's like when Black Lives Matter riots burnt down black-owned businesses in black neighborhoods in America. Who are you getting even with? Who are you wreaking your vengeance on? So you're in a black community where black people live and you burn down a black-owned business punishing that black-owned businessman and depriving the black community of a, of a business. How is that promoting anything? And here we have arsonists of unknown uh, nature torching churches, some churches that are aboriginal um, cog- congregants, churches that minister to and cater to the aboriginal... I mean, how are you helping anybody it's so stupid but it's not just stupid it's a crime so in that case it looks like there was both vandalism and attempted arson it was arson rather it just didn't burn the whole thing down but it was arson um 
If there was a hate crime wave like this, an arson wave across Canada targeting mosques, you, you would not have any place to hide from the news coverage and the political statements and the vigils and the days of mourning and days of action and days of rage and flags at half-mast and counter-terrorism squads and hate crime charges and somber speeches in Parliament. You would just have no end of it. Um, but these are Christian churches, and Trudeau really doesn't give a damn. In fact, um, the most shocking thing, and I, and I did a video about this the other day, the head of the Civil Liberties Union in British Columbia, one of the largest in the country, actually, um, who's supposed to be depending, defending freedom of religion. Freedom of religion is actually, can you call it the Charter of Rights for a second? It's, it, it actually comes ahead of freedom of speech. If you look at the order in Canada's Constitution, Section 2 is where our fundamental freedoms are. So these are the ones that are most important. That's why they're called fundamental freedoms. They're the, they're the big ones. They're the ones that other freedoms depend on. And we've, gone, we've done this before, but let's just take two minutes to do it again. They're in order. They're in a logical order. What do I mean by that? You can't have a meaningful freedom to vote if you don't have a freedom to speak, right, in a campaign. And you can't have a freedom to speak if you don't have a freedom to think, right? So they're in a logical order. And if you are the head of the BC Civil Liberties Association and your job is to defend fundamental freedoms, the most important freedoms are freedom of conscience, freedom of belief, freedom of thought, freedom of religion, freedom of faith. Then comes your freedom of speech and expression. Then comes your freedom of <clears throat> association. Then comes your free, that means who you hang out with. Yeah. So look at the order. Do you see the order there? Two, everyone is following fundamental freedoms. A, freedom of conscience and religion. B, freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other media of communication. So it goes in order. Your conscience. Your conscience allows you to have a religion. Your religion lets you think and believe and then have an opinion and then express the opinion and express the opinion through the press and other media. You see the order. like It's growing, right? Do you see the arrow here? Then C, freedom of peaceful assembly. So you can get together at a church, on a street, and freedom of association, hang out with other, a political party. You can't have a public meeting. You can't have thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including the media. So the reason why you put your fundamental freedoms first is because your democratic rights mean nothing without them. They're, they have votes in Cuba. They have Section 3, every citizen in Canada's right to vote in an election. Yeah, they got that in Cuba. They got their elections. What are you talking about? They got their elections. They just don't have meaningful elections because they don't have Section 2, A, B, C, and D. Scroll down a bit. Let me refresh. I'm trying to remember what number five is. Okay, they'll be sitting in Parliament once every year. Okay, yeah. I mean, again, that's meaning mobility rights. This is what has come under attack during the lockdowns. Every citizen has the right to enter, remain, and leave Canada. And to move and take up residence in every province and pursue the gaining of a livelihood in any province. Again, this has been violated by interprovincial lockdowns, right? Legal rights, let's scroll down here. Life, liberty, security of the person, the right not to be deprived thereof, except in accordance with principles of fundamental justice. That means you, you can't just 
springs, everyone has the right to be secured against unreasonable search or seizure. So when a cop says, show me your uh, vaccine exemption, your mask exemption, yeah, you and what army boss, because my legal rights say you need a warrant. Number nine, everyone has the right not to be arbitrarily detained or imprisoned. Well, that was violated too in these COVID hotels, wasn't it? These COVID jails at airports. You're arbitrarily thrown in jail for three days, plus you have to pay for it. Number 10, the right to be promptly uh, informed of the reasons for being arrested, to have the, okay, so that's just habeas corpus, really. Number 11, um, informed without a reasonable delay of the offense, tried within a reasonable time. 11B, we've got fight the fines cases that are coming up on 18 months old, and they have not been tried yet. That's why I believe they'll be thrown out on mass. Keep scrolling. It's always good to read these. I've read this a hundred times. Um, the right to not be denied reasonable bail without just cause. That applies to the Christian pastors, including James Coates, who is in prison for 35 days. Really? Really? Is that reasonable? Scroll down. Number 12, the right not to be subjected to any cruel and unusual treatment or punishment. Well, we saw that in that clip I showed you on Monday of a judge saying... Hey, criminal, I'm going to have you under a five-year probation unless you agree to be injected with this experimental vaccine, in which case I'll let you go after one year. We saw that in action, didn't we? And I'll stop there. So that's your job description. If you're wondering what the boss of a civil liberties association does, that's the answer, isn't it? That's your job description. If you didn't know what to do, you're... Read this Charter of Rights, or, or just read Section 2, really, 2 A, B, C, and D. And now go and fight for those. And, and freedom of religion is in Section 2A, right? Conscience, thought, belief, religion, I think that was all, all 2A. Now look at what Harsha Walia actually said. She was responding to Vice saying two more Catholic churches have been torched. And she says, burn it all down. Burn it all down. That's the civil, state of civil liberties in Canada in 2021. She is supposed to be defending churches. Now you defend any church or mosque or temple or whatever, regardless of ethnicity. But in this case, you've got indigenous churches that serve Indian people. And she's cheering for them to be burnt down. And why shouldn't she? Because look at what Gerald Butts said. Gerald Butts, as you know, Justin Trudeau's right-hand man. Since college, those two communist globalists, since college have been buddies. And again, this was on Twitter. Some journalist was talking about torching churches and Gerald Butts, do you have that? Gerald Butts chimes in. Someone said, well, it's a terrible thing. Two, two wrongs don't make a right. Stop burning down churches. So you see Terry Glavin says, um, Terry says, add some Da Vinci Code vibe, humanoid reptilian extraterrestrial, like just some BS, and you got yourself, like just really weird. So forget that first tweet, and then Jerry Butts says, or a post-media call, and then Terry says, so Jerry, 
defending the burning churches is cool crowd? And Gerald Butt says, no, Terry, it is not, though it may be understandable. Hey, guys, it's not cool to burn churches, but it's understandable, really. So you can see where Justin Trudeau gets it from. There's no one more privileged in Canada than Gerald Butts, other than Justin Trudeau. They're going to say, guys, come on. It's not cool, but it's understandable. Could you imagine if a mosque was attacked in the same way and someone said, um, I agree, but I also understand how people could believe otherwise. I take it that kind of behavior is common in white Congo. Yes, Jerry. And like, it's just like Gerald Butch just doesn't care. Why would he care? Scroll down a bit more. Look, buddy, I'm not going to break the crash Davis rule and will ignore the personal insult. But I was an altar boy in a small Atlantic Canadian parish in the early 1980s. I can understand why someone would want to burn down a church, though I do not condone it. This guy just won't stop. He's just, and why should he? Because there's never been any penalty to pay for anti-Christian, anti-Catholic bigotry in Canada. Could you imagine him saying those exact same things about a mosque? Look, I don't condone burning down the mosque, but I understand it. It is a mosque. Look, uh, it's not cool. Guys, and no one's more cool than Gerald Butts. Guys, it's not cool to burn down a Muslim mosque. Okay, it's not not cool, guys, not cool, but it is understandable. Can you imagine him saying that about a Muslim mosque being torched or vandalized? And not just one, I'm talking about 20. Guys, it's understandable. I understand it. What? What's wrong with you? You're too stupid to understand it? I mean, it's not cool. (laughs) Uh, And by the way, I have the right to say this because 40 years ago, I did something as an altar boy, and I hate it. So it's understand. Burn it all down. Listen, if the right-hand man to Justin Trudeau can say it, why can't the civil liberties boss in BC say it? This is the state we're in. Well, let's talk to an actual aboriginal person who actually goes to an Aboriginal church. So not the settlers, Harshawalia or Gerald Butts, but let's talk to an Indigenous woman who uh, happens to go to church, uh, an Indigenous church, and here's what she has to say. My name is Jesse Allen. I'm a 60 Scoop survivor and the daughter of a residential school survivor. We're here basically to ask people to basically quit burning down churches. We're concerned about the burning and defacing of churches bringing more strife, depression, and anxiety to those already in pain and mourning. Former survivors of Kansas residential schools are triggered by the sight of burning and defaced churches. It also brings up former traumatic feelings of violence and threats to their lives. This is also putting further division between Kansas indigenous people and the rest of Canadian society. Some residential school survivors have remained Catholic and now have lost their place of worship and comfort. These hostile acts are spreading into the Anglin Church. Figures of the explorers are being destroyed, as well as street ministers in the downtown Eastside have been verbally attacked, almost assaulted, because they're Christians. This is not our native way. We do not hate people. Oops, we do not spread hate. We love people. We do not destroy other people's places of religion. 
We're asking for people are setting these fires to stop now. We understand some people believe that they're standing in solidarity with us Indigenous people as we find more graves across Canada. Burning down churches is not in solidarity with us Indigenous people. As I said, we do not destroy people's places of worship. If you want to stand in solidarity with us, greet us and mourn with us. Stand and mourn with us in our grief as our children's bodies are being recovered. We ask for Canada for their support during this time. Violence begets violence. So we're asking people who are laying churches on fires to stop. Not every denomination in Canada was involved with the residential schools. And so these fires are now spreading into other churches, such as, um, well, right now the Anglican church is actually being firebombed. And yes, they were involved with the residential schools, but they also apologized. We can see this getting much worse and worse. And what's going to happen is if this keeps up, Whoever's doing this, you're going to wake up a very ugly, evil spirit in this country. And it's going to spread across this country. And it's going to destroy it. So right now, once again, we ask people to stop burning down churches. Um, who are you? You're just some Aboriginal woman, daughter of residential school survivors. Who are you to tell Gerald Butts that he's not understandable, that he shouldn't be so understanding of arson who are you uh what's your standing how dare you try and talk back to harsha Walia, um who says burn it all down who are you other than someone who actually goes to church there that would be like in the analogy we talked about 45 minutes ago a black owned business in a black part of town saying hey please stop burning my shop and some white liberals saying, <laughs> it's understandable though. Um, you know, it's not cool, but guys, you understand, I understand it. Yeah, pretty bad. Um, I wanna, we only have about 15 minutes left. I wanna talk a couple things about lockdowns. Can you go to Google and just type in Alice Springs. It's a town in Australia. Just show me where it is. I think it's in the middle of the country. I've never been there. I've been to Australia before, but I haven't been to Alice Springs. I think it's pretty much right in the middle of the country. In the outback. That's my guess. And then really pull out. Like, I just want to see where this is in the country. Am I right when I say it's in the middle of the country? It's like dead center in the country. I was right. That's Alice Springs. It's almost, maybe it is geometrically in the middle of the country. You can't get more centered than that. That's the outback. It's, I think it's bigger than the Sahara Desert. I don't know if it's bigger, but it's, like, it is huge. And I don't know if it's because it's sort of isolated. There's not a ton of, like, like people live on the coast there. You got your Sydney on the coast. You got... Like, right in the heart of the country, it's not very populated. You, not a lot of people from Sydney are going to go to Alice Springs. It would be like um, Inuvik in Canada. And I think probably to do with the climate there also. I, If I'm not mistaken, there has not been a single case of coronavirus in Alice Springs. I think there, I, I think there hasn't been one case. Can you believe that? Like, not even a case. I'm not talking about a death or a hospitalization. I just think no one there ever got it. 
or if they got it, they didn't even know because a lot of people who get coronavirus, it's not serious. Sometimes they don't even know. Remember that PGA guy, that golfer who was winning a game and they came up to him, tap, tap, tap. Hey, boss, you got the Rona. You got to get off the course now. So I want to show you a little bit of Avi Amini's video. So there's this guy in Alice Springs and he's drinking a, a to-go cup of coffee, right? So um, you can't drink coffee with a mask on, right? And literally there is no place in the world where you have to wear a mask when you're drinking coffee, right? Like you know that, right? Apparently the cops in Alice Springs don't know that. Take a look at this. So I'm just drinking my coffee. And these officers have started following me <clears throat> and harassing me. What's your name and badge, mate? Uh, Aboriginal Community Police Officer Liam Presley. Yep. 7415. What's Hi. your name? What's your name? What's your name and badge number? What's your name? You're a, pe you're a peace officer, you're a servant of the people. I'm not being rude here, I'm not risking anything. Okay, listen, I need you to listen to me. Okay. Okay, so there, there's a pandemic going on. This is a very vulnerable community. There's lots of sick people. I need there's you lots to of sick provide people. your name and your reason for this. I do not have to provide my name because I have not committed so, so you are committing an offence? I have okay. not committed you the offence. I need, no, I need no, you no. to wear a mask. Okay. I'm drinking a coffee. I do not have to wear a place, mask okay. while I'm drinking a coffee. Hey, listen. Thank you. Hey, if you do not provide your name and um, wear a mask, you will be arrested, all right? Seven. You're threatening me. Stop resisting. Right. <laughs> no, you're assaulting me right now. What? I'm being assaulted by three officers. I was drinking a coffee. I'm allowed to drink a coffee. I'm being assaulted by three officers. What's your name? My name's Hayden Williams. And I was basically pushed into the back of the paddy wagon and, and they drove me to the watch house and locked me up. How long were you locked up for? Uh, about 20, 25 minutes. And uh, you were released, but you were released with a fine. Is that right? Yes, I was. Yeah, it was uh, a $5,000 fine for not wearing a mask during a lockdown. They just gave me a, a piece of card and just wrote a number on it and um, $5,050. Can you afford that $5,000 charge? Absolutely not. I'm a freelance artist and my work was shut down due to lockdown. Um, so yeah, basically I've got no income and plus they're trying to find me $5,000. Well, mate, um, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay that $5,000 right now. We're not going to pay it either. We're going to crowdfund and fight it. The community is going to get behind you. People are going to donate at fightthefines.com.au and we're going to pay for the lawyers that are already on the case. Over the weekend, we started uh, the process. Uh, you're actually going up bush today, so they'll be working while you're away 
to either have this matter dropped or we're going to fight this all the way with the help of the community around Australia and around the world. What would you like to say to everyone that's going to donate to help make sure that this is uh, this is corrected sooner rather than later? Yeah, I just wanted to say, yeah, I really appreciate your help. Uh, I'm grateful for your support. Uh, and let's let's stand up together. Let's let's stand up against the tyranny that's taking place. He was issued a over five thousand dollar fine for what is clear. You can see the video. Everyone's seen the video now. Is he's drinking coffee? The implications to me is far reaching. That means that if you're outside and you're having a sip of your water, um, you can be slapped with a well taken down, arrested and then slept with a $5,000 fine. It's crazy. It certainly is. I mean, the implication is that it's not a reasonable excuse for you to be drinking anything outside at the moment under these lockdown conditions, even if you're in the course of essential exercise or shopping or anything like that. Potentially, you could be slapped with a fine of $5,056 under the Northern Territory directions um, for, these, for these sort of public health act uh, violations. Now, if that's the implication, it means that you couldn't drink water, you can't drink coffee, you can't drink juice, you can't drink anything else. The police could come and just snatch you off the street for that purpose, give you a fine, and then direct you to go straight back home. Um, Now, the absurdity of that is obviously inherent. It doesn't make a great deal of sense. Uh, You know, there's there's not a... I can't can't see any scientific reason why they would be doing that. Um, And legally, it's just a waste of police resources. Why are they snatching people who are drinking coffees? Um, who are actually doing a, a service to the community by going out and supporting their local businesses at a time of lockdown. You know, why would the police be going and snatching those people? It's just another absurdity of lockdown. Well, we know we have you guys on the on the case uh, and so quickly. So Hayden is in good hands. We want to thank you on behalf of everyone that's going to contribute to, to paying these legal fees. Thank you so much again for everything you do. And in this case specifically for fighting for Hayden and for all those around the country who dare drink coffee during lockdown. We're we're taking Hayden's instructions. We're hoping to have this matter uh, taken care of very quickly by the Northern Territory Police. We believe this is a very straightforward uh, matter. We don't think that this should be too problematic. We think that they've overstepped it on this one and that they've been too overzealous. Our hope is that we can get this sorted out for Hayden very quickly. Um, And we're really grateful, obviously, Uh, for the fight the fine sort of community helping us to be able to actually do this for people like Hayden who are being victimised in a very senseless manner in these sorts of times. We agree with you. We hope it is is turned around really quickly and uh, justice is served immediately. But even if it isn't, just like all the fight the fine cases that we have, um, I'm, I know that the fight, the fight finds community that you speak of uh, will be happy to ensure that this is seen all the way through. So thank you again, Cameron. It's my pleasure as always, Avi. Um, a lot to say about that. First of all, those, those are pretty – how many cops were there, four or five? And they seemed like they were ready – ready to take on a gang or something. I think they were wearing bulletproof vests. They had, they, like, I wouldn't say they were armed like SWAT, but that was some heavy policing there. And Hayden was just, like, I don't think he was doing anything. Like, it looked like they were stalking him for a while, I think, right? Like, they were following him around. And, I mean, sometimes the people we see, they're prov- provocateurs, you know, they're protesters, they're pushy or whatever. This guy, I, I think this guy was just walking with his coffee. 
And um, I just think this is so stupid. Now, uh, you're right, Justin. Justin mentioned in my ear that there have been a few cases in the Northern Territory, which is this vast area, but it's, it's absurd. And there's nothing scientific about it. And um, I, I, I've seen that Cameron lawyer before. He, he was the lawyer for that Australian woman who was on the train, had an exemption. The cops didn't know what to do. They panicked, grabbed her bag, took her bag off the train, which forced the woman to get, like, just crazy. Same lawyer, he knows his stuff. I would just say to our Australian viewers, what Cameron said in the last video is if a cop asks you your name, you actually have to tell him your name. That's a rule in Australia, apparently. Now, they have to warn you that not saying the name is an offense. But that's what I learned from Cameron last time. Um, but that, that, so if a cop says, what's your name? You don't have to immediately say it, but if it's an offense not to answer, you do have to say your name. You don't have to show an ID. You have to say your name and address. And that's just an Australian rule from what Cameron says. But that doesn't excuse anything that the cops did before and after him, including that lady cop not saying her name and the absurd arrest. And I don't even, that card, what's that? Like, it, it looked like a little, you know, gift certificate for, oh, sorry, we were out of muffins today. Come back for a free muffin or something. Like, it, that little card, it's just like, it, it, it's so goofy. I am certain that we're going to win that case. Avi is so good at, uh, at, at these cases. And that law firm, Cameron and his partner, Manny, they are so good. I mean, we have a lot of great lawyers, but... In Australia, I think we have a perfect record down there. They're just doing such a great job. Anyways, I'm, I'm just very pleased that we're helping that guy because it's so stupid. And when that video was playing, I was just Googling the Northern Territory. It's a huge area. It's like, well, I think in some ways it's comparable to our Northwest Territories. It's just so large and such a small population. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a very big country. I flew from uh, Sydney to Melbourne. Like, that's that's not a... Like, it's... And by the way, sometimes people think, oh, Australia and New Zealand super close. That's hours of flying. Like, zoom out for a bit. Um, like, it is... Such, like, that is... Like, you think, okay, Australia and New Zealand's right there. It's not right there. It's like that. It, it looks that way because there's nothing else. But flying from Sydney, which is on the East Coast, to New Zealand, um, I'm just Googling that right now. Uh, how long is the flight from Sydney to New Zealand? It's three hours. 